This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Mary Hyatt, welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. I am so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad we finally got the technical glitches worked out. You know, you me got out the wires and plugs and switches, and you know, we had to do this for a couple minutes. We got it, and we're going to hope nothing goes wrong with the, the, <laughs> the entire episode here. I'm so excited you're here. Why don't you take about you know, a couple seconds or about a minute or so. Tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah. So I am a life and business mindset coach, and I work with primarily female entrepreneurs and really help them learn how to kind of move from this like hustle, grind, burnout into a place where they are living fully alive, connected to their emotions, connected to their femininity, to their sexuality, and really learn how to create a life that they love that is very fulfilling and body, mind, and spirit. So I've got a monthly membership that I have. I also have my own podcast called the Living Fully Alive podcast and absolutely love working with my clients one-on-one and in group coaching. So all about all good things, living fully alive in all the ways holistically. Now, if there's any men listening to our conversation today, they're still going to get value, right? Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, here's <laughs> a, here's what we know. Like anything that is true in the world is not gender specific. Like there are universal truths and whether you're a woman, whether you are a man, you will gleam a lot of insight today. And I think that it truly is like one of those things that mindset works no matter how you identify for sure. Hundred percent, and I will tell you the one word I do not like in this day and age is the word hustle, because so many people think that means I don't have a life, I can't be a, a husband or a wife or a father or a mother. I got to work like 195 hours a week, and I got to burn myself out. That's I don't think that's good for anyone. It's it's not, and yet it's so addictive and mm-hmm. it's so quote unquote sexy. At least that's how it's presented. Like, I don't know what your social media feed looks like, but I follow a lot of entrepreneurs and I have to really watch myself because so many people are preaching this idea of hustling. Like that's the way that you move forward in life. That's the way that you get ahead. That's how you get everything that you want by sacrificing essentially everything, your time, your energy, your relationships, but that somehow or another achievement is like the best thing that would take care of all of the disintegration of your body, your relationships. And in reality, it's like a false hope. It's a, it's a false promise, but it is so alluring and is really tricky because we're sold that this is the thing we've got to do in order to be successful. And I just, it's simply not true. And it costs so much in the process. I agree with you a hundred percent. I had a coach, one of my first coaches a number of years ago, they would actually coach from like 7 a.m. until 7 p.m. in oh like gosh. 30 minute blocks. And I remember telling myself when I became a coach, I'm like, I'm never going to do that because I know myself. There's no way I'm going to be just as effective at the last client as the first. And so what I do is I know how many clients I can take a day. And I know if I exceed that, then those other clients aren't going to get my best self. Do you feel the same way? Oh, 100%. Like one of the first things that I had to do for myself is kind of recognize that I'm only a great coach if I'm taking care of myself really, really well. And there's like a capacity limit that I have for sure. So even with my clients, like, you know, I work with execs and women who are really successful entrepreneurs 
and they're in the man's world. They're in that kind of hustle culture. And so one of the first things that I work with them on is creating what I like to call anchoring non-negotiables where we go, where are you willing to say enough is enough and create some really strong boundaries around your time? So I'm like, maybe that's a, a very specific start time and a very definitive end time not working on the weekends, not working after 5 or 6 p.m., but really understanding that our mental and emotional health is the most, and our physical health is the most important thing. And we've got to prioritize that. So so that idea of creating these anchoring non-negotiables, I will not, no matter what, take clients before 10 a.m. And I will not, no matter what, take clients you know, after 3 p.m. or whatever it is. And you figure out how to create the space to get the results that you want in that specific timeline. But you just know that no matter how much money I would make, otherwise, it's just not worth it to burn myself out. Mm. I, I love the author, Cal Newport. He wrote Deep Work and Digital Minimalism. In one of those books, I don't remember which one, he talked about having office hours, especially in you work from home. Because when you work from home, there's this really gray area of what's personal and what's professional. And when I read that, I, I declared I have office hours. 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Thursday and 1 to 4 on Friday afternoons. And I set my calendar up for those hours. Now, if someone is like they need me on the weekends, I'll make an exception. But the rule is here are my office hours because I want to keep the mornings sacred because I do things in the morning, my morning routine. And at night, it's time for my wife. So I think people who work from home, I, if you go to work, if you go to an office, it's real easy. You have office hours, you know, eight to five, whatever the case may be. But when you're working from home, it's especially if you don't have kids, if it's maybe just you and your spouse, it's real easy to work after hours. Then you're sending those emails and people begin to expect you to respond to emails within two hours, which is a really dangerous present to set up. So I just encourage people, if you're working from home, especially if you're an entrepreneur like we are, set office hours and stick to them. It's not so much just for your clients, but it's also for you. So, you know, okay, four o'clock, I'm done working. Totally. I want to, I want to have that to look forward to and to know that there is a time when my brain can shut off. I can go into a different state of being. Like I like to talk about archetypes a lot and, and really believe that in each of us, we all have these different archetypes that we operate from these different personalities inside of ourselves, these different kind of states of mind. And for the workday, I'm in that boss babe energy in that boss babe archetype, or for you, like, you know, just killer entrepreneur, you're at it or coach or whatever. But there comes a time when I want to switch into a different archetype for women that could be shifting into the archetype of mother or wife, or even something um, creative like artist or, um, anything in in that realm that has nothing to do with our work whatsoever. And for me, it's really important to have that shut off ritual that can invite me into a different state of being a different archetype and shift my energy because I cannot walk in the door or in this case, like open my office door from the house and walk in and talk to my boyfriend from boss babe. Like to talk about our relationship, to talk about maybe what we want to do in our lives, to dream about about our future, that can't come from that energy of that archetype of boss babe, of business owner. It has to be a different energy. So one of the things that I love thinking about is creating an end of day shut off ritual. And this can be so easy and take literally two to three minutes where for me, I sit down and I just take a moment and I breathe. 
So if I'm in a sort of that high energy, super focused mindset, I want to kind of bring my brainwave down a little bit to something that's a little bit more grounded, a little calmer, less stressed out. And so for me, taking a minute to just take a few breaths and and very intentionally say, okay, I'm leaving one energy and I'm moving into another energy. I'm leaving this work self here in my office. And I'm now bringing in this other kind of feminine energy into my home. I can breathe deeply. I can even go into a little bit of a meditation, check in how I'm feeling. And then even just write down, taking a couple minutes to write down, okay, what's left for tomorrow? What did I accomplish today? And what are my objectives and my big tasks for tomorrow. And then I leave it there and I go, I know what they are. I've planned for it for tomorrow. And so I can lay it down and walk out this door and enter into a different self. And I think that idea of transitioning from one energy to another is really helpful to have that moment where you literally walk yourself through into a different energy. And that's super helpful. And when you worked in the corporate environment, as I did, it was really natural because, you know, five o'clock came along, you shut your computer down, you locked your door or your desk, whatever, and you walked out, got in your car and went home. So it was very natural. But when you're working from home, well, you're working and living in the same place. And like I said earlier, it's a gray area. And so I think everybody who works from home, you should need to have a shutdown routine at the end of the day. So your body knows, okay, now I'm going from work mode to family mode or mom mode or dad mode, whatever that the case may be. And I think that's, it's such a small thing, but it's a huge, it's like one of those things, what they're saying, small hinges swing big doors. It's a yeah. small hack, but it makes a really big difference. Absolutely. And then it's like, you're invited really to be in the present moment. Because I don't know if you've ever experienced this. And I have even lived this myself where you're in a conversation, but your mind is completely somewhere else. And I think if we don't do this, we end up being really distracted. And we end up thinking about work all night long. And our spouse or our partner is talking to us or kids are talking to us. And we're not even there. We're just still in our work. We're still in that brain thinking about all the things that we have to do. And it's nice in this space to kind of compartmentalize. And I would not usually say that that's a great thing to learn how to compartmentalize. In fact, I would probably preach the opposite. But I think in this case, it really is nice to create that ritual that you would have in a typical office setting and really practice that at home for sure. Hey there, it's Mark. And I want to invite you to become a Mark Stucheski insider and get the top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs absolutely free. It all happens over at MrProductivity.com. Just the other night, I had a dickens of a time going to sleep because I was super, super excited about a project I'm starting to, I'm getting ready to launch for my website, a product for my customers rather. And I started working on it after hours. No, no, no. Cause my wife had to do uh, some Bible study stuff and, you know, zooming. And so I decided to work on it and I got really excited about it. So I'm tossing and turning, getting all these ideas and my brain wouldn't go to sleep because, and I broke my morning, my nighttime routine. Cause normally what I do is I turn screens off by eight. I go read a print book for about 45 minutes and go to sleep. Well, I was so fired up about this new idea. I couldn't stop thinking about it. I tried everything. I got up and read that didn't work. I, I, turn my air conditioning on to make it cooler in the house. That didn't work. I took a hot shower because I read in Why We Sleep uh, by Dr. Matthew Walker. You know, if you have trouble sleeping, take a hot shower, you know, calms you down. I eventually fell asleep, uh, excuse me, fell asleep around 11 o'clock last night. I'm normally asleep by nine. So 
Um, yeah, it was tough, but I was so excited. I can't release, can't wait to release this, but I should have disconnected much earlier and I wouldn't have had this problem. Yeah. And you know, what's kind of fun about that in a way though, is I think so often what creates that suffering is feeling like we need to be somewhere that we're not feeling like our experience in the present should be different, should look different. And so just that expectation of, I should be asleep creates that angst, creates mm-hmm. that, oh no, that that all of a sudden I'm feeling panicky. I got to figure out how to get to sleep quickly. Whereas for me, I think it's so fun. And this is one of those rare occasions where creativity just took over you and that enthusiasm, that excitement is like, <laughs> man, like what if you could just go with it and enjoy that moment of enthusiasm, knowing that like this is not your norm, this is not your everyday to kind of stay up till 11 and feel exhausted the next day. But to me, sometimes there can be that exception to the rule of what's that saying? Like everything in moderation, even moderation. (laughs) Sometimes we have to break the routine and be present. If we think about that idea of being present for what's here, being present for that energy, for that flow, for that creativity, and just go, all right, here we are. Let me surrender to this creativity. Let me have fun. Let me just get out my journal and brainstorm about it. And I find that so often we have an idea of how we think life is supposed to be. And this goes for everyone, especially entrepreneurs, when we start thinking about what we want to achieve and what we want to create. And oftentimes, we can't be in the present moment of actually what's here. And I think that's a lovely invitation to say, what is really here? Can I enter into without resistance what's showing up emotionally for me right now? This excitement, this joy, this this curiosity, whatever it might be. And feel it for a little bit. And I would just be curious to know, like if you were had had been able to just feel it maybe for 20, 30 minutes, if that would have sort of satisfied that part of you that was really excited and then you would have been able to fall asleep. It's just something to think about. Um, and that idea of like welcoming the emotions that are here at any given moment. That's a, that's a good point. I think what happened was, is I thought I had a, a stopping point I said, okay, I'm good. And I, I just, my brain says, no, I still want to work on that. And I'm one of these people. I'm probably the only person on this planet that does this. When I can't get to sleep, it increases my anxiety. So it's yeah. even more difficult to get to sleep. So I get more anxious and it just becomes a, 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 a like a, a snowball rolling down a hill. Now it's this ginormous uh, ball rolling down the mountain snowball. And, um, but you know, it does happen from time to time. Uh, the problem is I, I should have stopped working on it much earlier and I knew better. That's the thing. I knew better. I knew when I was working on this, I, I if my wife didn't have the Bible study class, we'd have watched TV and I would have been fine. But I decided yeah. to do something all outside of work hours. And normally it's not a problem, but I got really super excited about this thing and it just took off on a, it took on a life of its own. But you said something else I want to make sure the listener doesn't miss. You say at the end of work that you write things down. And what I try to impress upon people is when your brain is trying so hard to remember everything. And once it knows that you have written it down or captured it someplace like an app, then your brain can go, okay, I can let that go. But if you don't take the time to write it down, now your brain's trying to remember that and the 10,000 other things you need to remember. So I always tell people writing it down frees your brain. And that's exactly what you're talking about. 
Absolutely. I could not agree with that more. And I think what is helpful to remember is that it doesn't have to be some long, drawn-out process where you have to sit down and journal out for 20 minutes or whatever, which is typically why people don't do things is because they think it's going to take too much time. But literally, and I use the, a planner called the Full Focus Planner, which is actually created by my dad, Michael Hyatt. It's brilliant, a brilliant system. And there's a space for the end of the day in that planner where you literally write out, okay, what is still left undone from today? And then what are my top three he calls them the the daily big three. What are my daily big three tasks that need to be done tomorrow? The most important thing, like if nothing else got finished, these have to be completed. And that is so easy and literally takes less than five minutes to fill out. And then like you said, that part of your brain can shut off. It can relax. You've got it recorded. It's down and you can revisit it in the morning the next day. I personally use a bullet journal. I, I fell in love with bullet journaling about a year ago. Um, and the thing I like about the bullet journal is you can use any journal. It's not a special kind of planner. And sometimes I write like my big three. Sometimes I write about what happened. And, and my, my thing is, is there's no magic journal. Just pick yep. up a notebook and start writing your thoughts down. Okay. Because it, what people don't realize, and I know you do, but a lot of people don't realize that when you're looking for that perfect planner or that perfect journal, that's a form of procrastination. Just get a piece of paper and start writing because when you don't do and you start researching, you're not doing, you're researching. And now you can still find the perfect planner. It doesn't exist, but find a planner that works for you, but don't wait until you get it. And I see so many people doing that. They go, well, what planner should I use? I'm like, dude, you got a notebook around your house? Just start. Just start. So many people are not starting. And that's what we're trying to impress upon people is just start. There's no magic about the full focus planner, but just sits on your desk. You don't open it. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think that that can become such an obstacle and roadblock in that thinking and that belief that it has to be just right, just perfect. And there are so many people out there who really love strategy, who love systems. I'm actually not one of those people on the opposite. And I love that about people. I love that different personalities are drawn to different types of planners or different methods or whatever. But I think when that becomes the thing that gets in the way of doing it all together, you've got to revisit, okay, what is this really about? Mm -hmm. And can I just jot this down for a couple minutes? And I think it is helpful to have an idea though of what to write even if it's just a daily prompt that you ask yourself the same thing every day. Like for me, in my shutoff routine, I'm always checking in with my emotions. And so I put my hand on my heart and I tap in and I ask myself, what is the emotion, the highest emotion that is asking for my attention right now? Because part of being emotionally intelligent and being able to walk in your life in a form of presence that allows you to love well and to work well is to be aware of how you're feeling. And I think this is something that is challenging, something that we're not taught to do. And so for me, it really is a practice of identifying what is rumbling below the surface? What is asking for some attention that maybe I've been totally disconnected from the entire day because I'm going from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. But if I can take a moment in that shut off to kind of emotionally check in, like, where am I at? So for me, that's always my prompt is how am I feeling? Number one, naming that emotion. Am I feeling 
anger? Am I feeling fear? Am I feeling sadness, loneliness, shame, exhaustion, overwhelm, whatever it might be, anxiety? And then asking myself, what do I need? And that question is one of the most powerful questions that we could ask ourselves, especially right now when so much is just swirling in the air collectively, just the emotional energy that's out there to check in on a soul level to say, what do I need? And that looks like any kind of form of self-care that could look like calling a friend that could look like taking a break, going on a walk whatever it might be, but what am I feeling, naming it, and then asking myself, what do I need? And that is a daily practice for myself as I'm shutting off from my workday, just to tap back into that emotional self. Hey, I now have an affiliate program where you can earn up to 30% commission just referring people to my paid program. To find out more, go to mrproductivity.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and click the link. You know, that is so important because one of the things I do is I work the Pomodoro technique, but I I put my own little spin on it. I work 50-10, so I will work for 50 minutes and take a 10-minute break. And sometimes a 10-minute break is just going out in the backyard and throwing the ball for our dog. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I take a brisk walk. Sometimes I just want to watch a silly video. But it's so important. You got to ask yourself, what do I need right now? Maybe you don't need to, you know, work on this project. Okay. Now, if you have a coaching client, you don't want to blow that off. You have a podcast interview. Don't blow that off. But the rest of the stuff during the day, if you're not feeling like writing, maybe you're going to write in three hours. Maybe instead of writing in three hours or night now, you're writing three hours and now you go for a walk. And so I think it's really important what you said. What do you need right now? Maybe you need to go have something to eat. Maybe you need to go call a friend. And I think we're so much in a hurry to go, 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 go to the next thing. We're not stopping and going, okay, how do I feel? What do I need right now? And I think if we just take that moment to pause, I think we could have much more productive days because I try to tell people, don't push a rope because if you're not feeling something and you try to do it anyways, you're probably not going to do a good job at it. You're going to have to do it over again. So, you know, find out how you're feeling. And, and then figure out what you need. I think those are two important things. And the reason why I said it twice in a distant year one time is I want to make sure the listener doesn't miss that because we are so busy and sometimes we're so critical. Well, I shouldn't feel this way or why am I feeling this way? This is not how an entrepreneur or fill in the blank should feel. You got to give yourself permission. You're not going to be in your A game 24, seven, 365. I'm normally a tigger from Winnie the Pooh. Okay. <laughs> but every once in a while I go into an Eeyore. If I get caught looking at the has trending hashtags on, on Twitter, I turn into an Eeyore. I'm like, Oh, it's all bad. I'm like, Oh no, you're a Tigger. And I go back, but we're all going to have those times where we're going to be someone that we're not. And then we got to catch ourselves and go, wait, that's not who I want to show up in the world to be. Right. And I think that if we can allow ourselves to be human and the human experience is the rainbow of emotions, it's not positive, positive, happy, happy all the time. I mean, that we would not be human. We would be a robot. Mm -hmm. And so to give ourselves, I love that word permission that you used, permission to admit very honestly, very soberly, like, yeah, I'm feeling really overwhelmed right now, or I'm feeling really confused right now. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm just sitting here procrastinating, or I'm feeling like a complete failure. I can't tell you how often that comes up with entrepreneurs. It's their that horrible feeling of shame looking around at everybody else, feeling like we're behind and going, oh my God, I really don't know what I'm doing and feeling like a total fraud. 
And when we can admit that and allow ourselves for just a moment to feel that without judgment or criticism, without trying to hurry through it or fix it or change it and just be in it. And then from that place, like when we can really accept that emotion and bring in some loving, bring in some unconditional loving into that and really validate ourselves. Like, I hear you. I see you. Yeah, this is overwhelming. This is exhausting. Then we can sort of have that moment after validation to then meet the need. Okay, now what is it that I need? What do I need to release? What do I need to process through? How could I express this in a healthy way? But it comes from radical honesty. And we all know that when we suppress emotions and we push them down and stuff them, they come out sideways. Like we've all had that experience mm-hmm. where we end up like snapping. We're like, oh my God, where did that come from? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> oh, sorry. And it's like, oh, that was anger from three days ago that I still haven't felt yet that from so-and-so's conversation or whatever. And it just came out as a reaction to somebody who didn't deserve that anger. And when we can process in real time, that to me is the healthy way. Then we don't ruminate in it. Then we don't get caught and stuck in it. We move through to the other side of that emotion. And I think that when we can really understand that our emotions aren't going to overtake us, that is really powerful to know that I can be anxious without getting into the spiral of anxiety. I can feel depressed without being a depressed person. Like feeling these emotions isn't a part of my identity. It's part of the human experience and that it's okay that from time to time I am feeling what we might consider negative emotions. And when we take away the the judgment and stigma and meet that with loving, it just makes everything so much easier. And we process through and move through it a lot quicker. I, I just, I wrote down radical honesty on my notes here because I, I love those two words because I think a lot of people, especially now in 2021, we've been dealing with COVID for nearly a year now and we're all behind these, you know, our, our web cameras or on Zoom or whatever the case may be. And, you know, we're, we're, we're not being honest about ourselves. You know, we would say, well, you know, I guess I had a pretty good day, but because we didn't write it down in a planner or a journal or a notebook, we're telling ourselves stories. And I, I think, Listener, please hear those words, radical honesty. Are are you really being honest how you're feeling, what you're doing, what you're accomplishing? Because if you're just telling yourself stories, that doesn't serve you or anybody else. And so I really appreciate you saying those two words because I I see a lot of people, some of my clients, people on social media, they're not being honest. They're, They're looking through the different color glasses and, and they're portraying a picture that they're happy. If you're not happy, a lot of people aren't happy now. I mean, if you lost your job or you're, you wanted a business because of COVID, I mean, a lot of people are struggling. And I think the, I'm not a psychiatrist or any kind of doctor, but I've heard that the best thing you can do is say, Hey, listen, I am feeling fill in the blank. And this is why, because you, you can't bury those emotions because they're not going to serve you, your clients or anybody else in the world. Yeah. And it's fascinating to see with self-awareness how you block your feelings and your techniques for avoiding your feelings. Like that could look like a lot of numbing, a lot of coping, a lot of buffering from those intense emotions. So when you find yourself in this cycle of a lot of Netflix or a lot of drinking or a lot of just scrolling social media or overeating or being a workaholic, whatever it is, these are all coping 
mechanisms for what is bubbling under the surface. And there are ways to distract ourselves. There are ways for us essentially not to feel and to disassociate and to disconnect. And first of all, I would just say like, that is normal to first do that. Like when we don't have the skill set yet to know how to process our feelings, we are going to want to numb them because any human in their right mind doesn't want to experience pain or hardship. And so we numb and we cope. And our culture is really great at giving us suggestions on how to do this and to normalize it. But the reality is, is over time, that becomes less and less fulfilling and unable to numb that pain. And we end up needing more and more and more to numb that pain, more drinking, more porn, more Netflix, more social media to drown out that little voice that's saying, I'm just tired, or this is really hard, or I don't know what to do. And if we can come back to that place of just admitting in a way that is a sober recollection of my emotions in this moment. It is freedom. Like it gives us permission to then process through it and get to the other side versus spending days, months, years avoiding those feelings. I mean, to me, I'd rather get through it, even though, yeah, it it doesn't feel great to feel grief or to feel exhaustion or stress or anxiety. But when I know that that's temporary, and that it's okay for me to feel this for this moment and that it will end. I'd much rather do that than spend a lot longer, because I've done that in my past, of just numbing, checking out, and sleepwalking through life. Like that to me isn't living fully alive. So I'm willing now to sit in the discomfort. I'm willing now to listen to that little voice inside of myself that needs some attention, that needs some compassion, that needs some rest. And give that part of myself what it needs so that then I can feel more restored, rejuvenated, rested, and then ready to, to move on. Like that to me is processing to then go to the next moment of life. And I, I'm like, that's where it's at now. It, it sucks in the moment, but it's so worth it in the long run. Wow. This has been an incredible conversation, Mary. You gave us so much to think about. And folks, remember, there's no law that says you can't re-listen to this episode because we talked about it a lot. But what we're going to do now, we're going to pivot over to something that I like to do. It's called Mic Swap. And I'm going to let Mary be the temporary host of the Mark Strzeczewski podcast. And Mary, you can ask me one or two questions. Uh, anything you want to ask me except for Social Security or credit card numbers. So the <laughs> microphone is now yours. All right, Mark, thanks for uh, being on the show today. It's great to have you. (laughs) Okay, so in the spirit of radical honesty, are you ready for this? Oh, my goodness. I'm scared. I know. You're like, "Uh, maybe I should not have given her the mic. So this is a question that I ask all of my clients, and it does require vulnerability. But again, it it is so freeing. And the question is, in this moment, what am I unwilling to feel? Oh, wow. What am I unwilling to feel right now? I had to say failure um, because like I said, I had trouble sleeping the other night because of, you know, I'm excited about something and I'm really excited about it. And I've had this feeling before and it flopped. And it's like, so half my brain's going, this is going to be awesome. And the other part's going, yeah, you failed last time. So I'm like, listen to both sides. So I think that's the one thing to, to use the word I used earlier is it's okay to fail. 
It's okay to fail. I have to give myself permission to fail. Not everything that I do or you do or anyone else on the planet does is always going to succeed. Even the Tony Robbins and the Oprah Winfrey's, they failed. Everyone fails. And I just got to give myself permission to fail. That's so powerful. And just, I even think too, like I've had to do this with failure is redefine it. And really say like, there really is no failure unless I'm judging it as failure. Like to me, it's experience. It's experiment, experimenting. And I think that as entrepreneurs, our whole existence is experimenting. It's like, you know, throwing the spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks and some of it's going to stick. Some of it's going to fall off, but that failure isn't a reflection of my worthiness or my worth or my value. It's just, oh, okay, that didn't get the response that I thought it was going to get. Okay, let's try again. Let's do something different, you know? And it just takes all the energy uh, out of it. And um, I have one more question for you that kind of just goes into this idea of failure for yourself. But where do you feel failure in your body? Like if failure resided in some place in your body, your throat, your heart, your stomach, your head, your chest, your back, where would you feel failure most in your physical body? That's interesting. A very good question. I would have to say like my chest, like the lungs, you know, sometimes when, mm-hmm. you know, you go on that roller coaster, it really scares you. Some of the, you get that, you know, that little pain in your chest. So I, I would say my chest. And then does it feel, what, what does it feel like as a sensation, like a physical sensation? Like a tightness. Mm. Beautiful. So that, I just, I love that I got to ask you those questions because that's the process is like, willing to to share and admit how we're feeling, but what's bu- uh, bubbling below the surface. And then where is it in my body? What does it feel like in my body? And then once we kind of have an idea of that, it's like if we were in a coaching session, I could say, all right, now just focus in on that heart, focus in on that. And then bringing in some loving, bringing in and using the breath on the exhale to soften and to relax, to soften that tightness. And all of a sudden, after a couple minutes of just breathing and bringing unconditional love and presence to that failure, all of a sudden, it's it's not so scary anymore. Just like those roller coasters I used to ride. I love to yep. ride. <laughs> Once you get off, like, that wasn't that bad. It looks, looks scary uh, when right. you're standing in line. Well, Mary, this has been an incredible conversation. Where can we go to find out more about you and what you do? Yeah. So maryhyatt.com is the best place. You'll find my podcast there, information about coaching, all my social media links. So maryhyatt.com. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was an absolute delight to have you on. And I really appreciate all the insights you shared with us. Thanks, Mark. I absolutely loved it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski Podcast. I really hope it served you well today. Now head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com. Sign up to be a free Mark Stuchowski Insider. Get my top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs. Absolutely free. It's my gift to you. And until tomorrow, my friend, go be productive.